0: Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMDXM, channel 233. I'm your host, Dr. Kathleen Margolin, and my guest is Sasha Chanoff, co-founder and executive director of the U.S.-based NGO organization, Mapendo International. Mr. Chanoff has made a career of helping people who are struggling to survive as they flee the most dire threats imaginable. Mr. Chanoff has worked extensively with many refugee populations, including Sudanese Lost Boys, Somali Bantus, Congolese Tutsis at Risk, Liberians, and Sierra Leoneans, among others. In 2007, Mapendo International will begin construction of a hospital to provide operations and overnight care to the hundreds of refugee war victims of Nairobi. This has grown your, your efforts to help this population medically in that you're looking at building a hospital.
1: Yeah, we're very fortunate because Dr. Burton is one of the most senior Kenyan physicians working with refugees in the country. He has had very senior positions before with a big organization called GTZ, which is the German government's NGO wing, kind of humanitarian wing, and he was the country medical coordinator managing medical services in, in a refugee camp for hundreds of thousands of people. He's tremendously experienced. And what we have seen is there is a critical need. If you look over the past 10 or 15 years of medical services for refugees, you see that a lot of people do not have access to surgery. A lot of people do not have access to kind of inpatient care. And there's a tremendous and growing need for this. And so, our our next step and plan is to look into building a hospital and a refugee protection center in kenya and this will serve two purposes actually it will at once will be able to provide refugees with the medical assistance that they need but at the same time kenya itself has crushing poverty issues and a lot of medical needs and so we want to use this hospital to provide assistance to kenyans as well and look at how we can build capacity in kenya to fight poverty and so we're kind of looking at humanitarian aid in a little different way. I think one of the big problems with humanitarian aid is that it's often a stopgap solution to an emergency that comes up. But then and so you find that tens of millions of dollars are poured into refugee camps to maintain and stabilize refugees who fled their countries. But then you find that these emergencies don't last for 6 months or a year, but last for 2 years, 5 years, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years and that that refugee camp turns into a permanent structure and yet the the way that aid is provided is still in that emergency context where tens of millions of dollars is going in just to keep people stable but it doesn't really the, that aid humanitarian aid is not looked at in a kind of long-term way And you find that this aid is often provided in countries that are some of the most impoverished countries in the world that themselves have terrible and crushing um, poverty-related problems. So what we want to do is provide humanitarian aid in a way where we can also help to build local capacity to fight poverty, and we'll do that through our medical initiatives.
0: So you're casting a wide net here to include not just the refugees that you've been working with all along, but the people who are living around these
1: well, what, what we'll do is we have some of the top physicians in Kenya who are our advisors and who are assisting us and guiding us. So what we'll do is we'll make sure that we're providing refugees with, the, with their needs and their surgery needs and other needs. But also we'll look to see the different ways that we can build capacity in Kenya to fight poverty and we'll be guided by the top Kenyan physicians in the country to do this. So that's, it, it's, I think it's kind of a different approach to, to providing humanitarian aid, being guided by the nationals in that refugee-hosting country. Mm-hmm. I don't think any other aid organizations really look to do this in very significant ways.
0: Is the government very cooperative in trying to help you with this?
1: Well, we've just really started um, and we recently registered with the Kenyan government. We're NGO, we're we're registered as an international non-governmental organization or NGO in Kenya. And so the government knows that we have our medical clinic and we will talk to them as we start expanding our initiatives as well. We also have um, a whole other initiative that I want to tell you about, our rescue operations initiative. Can we talk about that for a moment? Yes. So beyond our medical initiatives, we found that there are a lot of people who are being pursued by killers and who are being attacked <clears throat> and are in immediate danger and we have an initiative to get them out of danger um, and This started right when we were built, well, right when we were starting to provide medical assistance. This is actually in late two thousand and four. There was this terrible massacre. What happened was there 's been ongoing conflict in the Congo since our initial, these rescue missions um, that I was part of in 1999 and 2000. In 2004, there was ongoing ethnic hostility, and a group of Congolese Tutsi refugees fled from the Congo to neighboring Burundi, and they were put into a camp called Gatumba Camp. And on August 13th, 2004 these extremists in the Congo who, who were attacking and killing people crossed the border and surrounded that camp and massacred those Tutsis in that camp. It was called the Gatumba Camp Massacre. About 164 people lost their lives and 105 people were injured. Many of these people were Rose Mapendo's relatives and friends. This was her tribe of Tutsis from the Congo. And I remember talking to Rose a few days after that massacre, and she was just devastated because she had lost many relatives in this massacre, and other and, and the, the people who had survived had gone into hiding in the capital of Burundi, Bujumbura, and in neighboring villages. And so I had gotten very close to... I was working closely with our State Department, and I called and asked if our government was doing anything to address the situation, and then suggested that maybe... I go over and put together a rescue resettlement proposal to look at how we could perhaps bring the survivors here to the US through the US government refugee program. We have a refugee resettlement program through which we bring in about 50 to 70,000 refugees a year from all over the world and it's it's based on humanitarian grounds and and the 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 program is always looking for people who are in extreme, at extreme risk and really vulnerable. So I was encouraged to go and put together this rescue proposal. So I traveled to Burundi. This was, I went over to Kenya uh, through, uh, and then from there, went over to Burundi and met with a lot of the survivors of this massacre. And this was just, it was absolutely horrifying. This was a few weeks later. And I met with people who had gone back the morning of the massacre and these, who, uh, these extremists who had committed the massacre had come in with machetes and guns and grenades and gasoline fires and came come into the refugee tents and shot and people and blown them up and then burned the bodies and then and there were these some of the refugees whom i met had photos of that morning they had returned that morning to look for their relatives and friends and family and taken photos and so i put together a rescue resettlement proposal to, to look at resettling the survivors to the U.S. and
0: How many survivors were left?
1: Well, there were about 1,000 people who had survived this massacre and who were in hiding. Word had spread that these extremists were going to return to find the survivors. And and so I gave that proposal to the State Department and to the Office of the United Nations High Commissioner for Refugees, UNHCR, and started talking to them about it. And that that proposal then eventuated in the rescue resettlement of this of this group uh, and we're thinking that the first people will start arriving here shortly It's taken a long time for a variety of reasons but the survivors are still there they're still hiding and they're going to start coming to the u s shortly and they'll, they'll start living here along with all the other refugees who come here refugees who arrive here can become citizens within five years and so so this this started our kind of rescue operations wing and we've been working on this mission, this kind of rescue initiative, for for a long time now. And it's finally eventuating in the resettlement of these people. And we're identifying other people who are in critical danger, both individuals and groups, and then raising the attention of their plight to governments and to the UN so that we can look at getting, getting them to safety.
0: So these people, they're still in Burundi. They're hiding, but you have their name.
1: Yeah, no, well so some of them were hiding. Others have been put into another camp. The uh, UN created another camp. Some of them are still quite scared and are hiding. And but they were so what happened was after we put this rescue resettlement proposal together, the UN took this and then I worked with the UN to put together a plan on identifying these people and interviewing them. Then they were all interviewed and then there's a kind of lengthy process that refugees have to go through before they're resettled to the US which involves interviews with the Department of Homeland Security and then medical exams and security background checks and a whole slew of uh, kind of whole process that people go through. So, um, And it started with identifying everybody. So I worked with the U.N. to put together that kind of identification plan, basing everything on this initial rescue proposal that we put together.
0: How do you determine where they go in the U.S. and and how are they supported and met when they Get there.
1: Well, um, there are resettlement agencies here in the U.S. This is actually how I got my start in, in refugee work. I worked with resettlement agencies that assist refugees. And if refugees have family here, they often go to where their families are. If they have no families here, they're called a free case or a free a case as an individual or a family. And then they are, they're allocated to a city. That is appropriate for them. So there are like allocations meetings every week to determine among all the resettlement agencies to determine where refugees should resettle. But you have refugees living alongside you there. In are you in Chicago? Chicago? Yeah, Yeah. and and there are many refugees here in Boston. And and they they arrive here, and within a year they become permanent residents, and then within five years, they at, at five years they have the right to apply for citizenship.
0: Are you aware do do these refugees have special needs in terms of uh health at that
1: This this yes yeah, certainly this group of uh, massacre victims you know all different different refugees have specific issues depending on what they've been through but this this group of massacre victims certainly they there are i think very significant psychological needs they've all been terribly traumatized just recently in December for the people who were approved for resettlement they provi- they were given cultural orientation classes and if you remember I said that was one of my first jobs when I first went to Africa was teaching cultural orientation classes to US bound refugees so so in the cultural orientation classes in Burundi in December, people who were teaching them, Pindi Stephen is a woman who works for the International Organization for Migration, and she's the director of the cultural orientation program. She was my former boss. She actually hired me. And she was over there meeting with these people and said that they have been very significantly traumatized and all of them lost relatives in this massacre and family in this massacre. And it's still very, very present for them, and they're still kind of living in emergency mode, so yeah, certainly there are significant psychological as well as kind of medical needs of this population,
0: right, so they will need mental health services when they get here
1: yeah yeah and and so resettlement agencies we're actually working right now with a number of different agencies to put together a profile on this group. There's an organization called the Center for Applied Linguistics that is funded by the State Department to put together refugee cultural profiles that, can, that are used by resettlement agencies to, to help understand where these refugees come from. So we've been working with the Center for Applied Linguistics to put together the cultural profile on this group.
0: You've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMDXM 233, the channel for today's medical professional. I'd like to thank my guest, Sasha Chanoff, co-founder and executive director of the U.S.-based NGO organization Mapendo International.